Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for joining us. I'd like to welcome you to our third quarter earnings conference call. Joining me today, as usual, is our CEO and President Mark Hurd and CFO Bob Wayman. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this call is being webcast live. The webcast and the third quarter earnings slide presentation, including non-GAAP reconciliation tables, can be assessed on the information page of HB Investor Relations under company information at hb.com. A replay will also be available shortly after the conclusion of the call for approximately one year. Next, it's my duty to inform you that the primary purpose of this call is to provide you with information regarding the third quarter. However, some of our comments and responses to your questions may include forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. I encourage you to read the risk factors described in the company's annual report on Form 10-K for the fiscal year October 31st, 2005, the company's quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended April 30th, 2006, as well as other SEC reports filed after that report. I'd also like to point out that earnings, gross margins, operating expenses, and similar items discussed at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis and therefore have been adjusted to exclude certain items, including in-process R&D, amortization of goodwill and purchase intangibles, restructuring charges, and net investment gains or losses. A presentation of GAAP financial information for the present quarter and fiscal year to date and reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the financial statements accompanying today's earnings release, which is also available on HP Investor Relations page under company information at hp.com. Finally, and with a view to allowing time for questions from multiple firms, please refrain from asking multi-part questions or clarifications. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mark Hurd. Thanks, uh, Brian. First, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. Uh, HP delivered a solid third quarter. We posted revenue growth, expanded margins, while gaining share in key segments and generated strong cash flow from operations. Financial highlights of the quarter include revenue growth of 5% year-over-year, or in dollars, $1.1 billion to $21.9 billion. Non-GAAP gross margin of 24.8%, up 1.6 percentage points over the prior year period. Continued year-over-year operating margin expansion in key businesses, with personal systems margins of 4%, imaging and printing margins of 14.2%, enterprise storage and server margins of 7.2%, HP services margins of 9.4%, and software margins of 4.1%. Non-GAAP operating margin of 7.6%, up up from 5.7% in the prior year period. Non-GAAP EPS of 52 cents, representing growth of 44% year-over-year, and cash flow from operations of $2.6 billion. And that brings year-to-date cash flow from operations to $8.1 billion, which represents an annual record after just nine months of the year. I'm pleased we've been able to post another quarter of solid results, and at the same time, and I think just as importantly, we've made progress on strategic initiatives that will strengthen HP's long-term competitive positioning in the market. On July 25, we announced that we have signed a definitive agreement to purchase Mercury Interactive. Once completed, the transaction will bring together two market-leading businesses to create one of the most powerful management software portfolios in the industry. It will improve HP's position in the enterprise and enable us to drive strong revenue growth and margin expansion. We continue to drive towards a lower cost structure by transforming our IT infrastructure, by announcing our intent to consolidate and streamline our real estate portfolio over the coming years, and by eliminating approximately 1,900 positions as part of our restructuring program. These actions reduce our cost structure, 
allowing us to be more competitive in the market. As I said before, cost and growth are one and the same, and these are fundamental to our operating model principle. You will see us spend money to lower our cost structure and save money to invest in growth. The IT transformation and real estate programs mentioned above are good examples of these. Now, let me turn to the business segments. Imaging and printing had a solid quarter. Revenue grew 5% year-over-year to $6.2 billion, fueled by year-over-year unit shipment growth of 15% off a tough compare, and a supplies revenue growth of 9%. Revenue in commercial hardware grew 3% over the prior year period, while consumer hardware revenue declined 3%. As I said previously, we are focused on leveraging our best-in-class technology, brand preference, our strong retail presence, and a lower cost structure to accelerate supplies growth by driving shipment in shipment in areas of high ink consumption. The strategy is driving success with third quarter consumer inkjet hardware unit shipments up 13% year over year, led by all-in-one growth of 17%. We are also seeing continued momentum in our digital photography initiative. In the third quarter, Snapfish acquired its 30 millionth user and by generating approximately 5 million prints in a single day, set another daily print record. Commercial printer hardware unit shipments grew 23% year-over-year, fueled by color laser shipments growth of 70%. We're confident that this unit growth will drive further market share gains from calendar quarter Q106 levels, which already represented our highest market share position in nine quarters. Many of our growth initiatives are in the enterprise, and we continue to see strong momentum here as well. During the quarter, printer-based MFP unit shipment grew 196% over the prior year period, and the HP Indigo Digital Press page volume grew 37%. We also continue to build out our commercial printing sales force to take advantage of the growth opportunities in enterprise imaging and printing. You should expect to see us continue to aggressively target these markets, driving the shift from analog to digital, and leveraging our technology leadership and broad portfolio of solutions to better address enterprise customer needs for managing digital information. IPG segment operating profit was $884 million, or 14.2% of revenue, up from 13% in the prior year period, as supply strength offset pricing and promotional actions taken to drive hardware placements. Personal systems continued to post solid results with revenue up 8% year-over-year to $6.9 billion, led by notebook growth of 14% and desktop growth of 5%. Operating profit was $275 million, or 4% of revenue, up from 2.6% the prior year period. This margin percentage represents our highest level in a number of years, and I'm particularly pleased with this performance, given that this is typically our seasonally weakest quarter. We do remain focused on profitable growth, and continue to execute well in the sweet spots of the market, consumer, mobility, and emerging markets. At the same time, our lower cost structure and progress on reducing costs of goods sold in areas such as warranty has allowed us to better address the commercial PC market opportunity. During the quarter, revenue in consumer clients grew 17% year-over-year, and revenue in commercial clients grew 4%. Total unit shipments grew 14% over the prior year period, with double-digit growth in every region, driving share gains in both desktops and notebooks. Turning now to enterprise storage and servers, where revenue grew 3% year-over-year to $4.1 billion. Within ESS, industry-standard server revenue growth accelerated to 6%, 
with strong growth in blades where revenue increased 37%. During the third quarter, we unveiled our new C-Class blade offerings, which offer customers significant power cooling management and virtualization advantages. These have been very well accepted by the market, and we expect continued strong blade growth momentum in the fourth quarter. Revenue and storage grew 5% with ongoing strength in external arrays where revenue in our high-end XP and mid-range EVA offerings grew 19% and 17% respectively. Business critical systems revenue decreased 6% year-over-year with integrity server revenue growth of 76%, offset by revenue declines in PA risk and alpha. We will begin to ship Montecito-based integrity servers in Q4, positioned as well as we end the calendar year. Enterprise storage and servers posted third-quarter operating margins of $296 million, or 7.2% of revenue, up from 3.7% in the prior year period, led by margin expansion. Given typical third-quarter seasonality, I'm pleased with the operating margin performance in the quarter. Going forward, we will continue to balance margin improvement with revenue growth. And as part of this, we continue to reinvest in the business via product innovation, pricing actions, and the building out of our enterprise sales force. Revenue in HP services grew 1% year-over-year to $3.9 billion, reflecting the impact of currency and a focus on profitability improvements. Excluding the effects of currency, revenue in HP services grew 2% year-over-year. Within HPS and on a year-over-year dollar basis, revenue and managed services and consulting integration grew 9% and 3% respectively, and revenue and technology services declined 1%. HPS reported operating profit of $364 million, or 9.4% of revenue, up from 6.7% in the prior year period, reflecting solid margin expansion across all of our businesses. Over the past few quarters, we've shown strong margin improvement in managed services and consulting and integration. At the same time, we've seen strength in technology services margins. Margin improvement reflects efforts on reducing our cost structure via labor management and efficiency measures, as well as process standardization and automation. We'll continue to focus on these levers to optimize the cost structure of the business and align for greater revenue growth in fiscal year 07. Revenue in software grew 30% over the prior year period to $318 million, with revenue in HP OpenView and HP OpenCall increasing 34% and 21% respectively. Software reported an operating profit of $13 million, or 4.1% of revenue, up from a loss of 15.1% in the prior year period. We're pleased to have strengthened our software portfolio by announcing that we have signed a definitive agreement to purchase Mercury Interactive. Combining Mercury with HP software will create an annual run rate business of more than $2 billion. And we believe this combination can drive revenue growth of approximately 10 to 15%, and think this business can drive operating margin of approximately 20% of revenue in fiscal year 08. I'll leave my segment comments at that, and now I'd like to turn it over to Bob. Thanks, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. I'll begin with a review of the performance of our financial services business. Revenue for HPFS during the quarter was $519 million, up 6% year-over-year and flat sequentially. The year-over-year increase reflects the reclassification of certain leases in Q305, from operating to capital leases, which resulted in a $40 million net reduction in revenue last year. Revenue was down approximately 2% when normalized for the prior year reclass. Financing volume increased 10% year-over-year and 11% sequentially. 
portfolio assets increased 4% year-over-year and were flat sequentially. Operating margin was 6.7%, down from 11.9% in Q3 of last year and 7.5% in Q2. We're encouraged to see growth in volume this quarter and are taking steps to continue volume momentum while balancing the risk profile of the portfolio, which remains in very good shape. Before getting into the key elements of the P&L, let me remind you that fiscal 2005 results, including cost of sales, operating expense, operating profit, net income, and EPS, did not include the impact of FAS 123R stock-based compensation. Consistent with last quarter to assist you in comparing results versus prior periods, we've included a quarterly historical EPS trend in the financial tables accompanying the earnings release. This should allow you to view the results as though all stock-based compensation had been included in previously reported results. Non-GAAP EPS for the quarter was $0.52, including approximately $0.03 from stock-based compensation, up from $0.36 a year ago, which again excluded the impact of FAS 123R. In addition to operational factors, there were several items that impacted our results this quarter. Non-GAAP Other income and expense was pre-tax income of $221 million, or roughly $0.06 per share after tax. Above the guided range of $0.03 to $0.04 per share, we had estimated coming into the quarter. The excess reflects the impact of real estate gains and losses during the quarter. As we indicated last quarter, the timing of one-time items, such as land and building sales, are difficult to predict, and we will continue to call them out as appropriate. Our non-GAAP tax rate was 21.5% for the quarter, above the guided range of 20%, which negatively impacted non-GAAP EPS by approximately one cent. Weighted average shares outstanding declined to $2.839 billion from $2.887 billion in Q2, which benefited EPS by approximately one cent relative to our guidance of shares being flat from second quarter levels. GAAP EPS for the quarter was $0.48, which included $108 million or $0.04 in after-tax adjustments that were not included in our non-GAAP results. The majority of the adjustments relate to the amortization of purchased intangibles. Just a quick update on restructuring. During the quarter, approximately 1,900 positions were eliminated related to the July 2005 announcement, bringing the cumulative total to about 10,000. Now on to the P&L. Revenue of $21.9 billion for the quarter was up 5% year-over-year and up 6% when adjusted for the effects of currency. On a regional basis, revenue was up 8% in the Americas, up 2% in EMEA, and up 7% in Asia-Pacific. When adjusted for the effects of currency, revenue was up 7% in the Americas, 3% in EMEA, and 8% in Asia-Pacific. Now, I know there's a lot of interest in currency movements, so I'll add some perspective on the impact this quarter. In an effort to mitigate the impact of currency to the bottom line, we hedged the majority of our exposed currency on a short-term basis. Though the policy helps limit volatility of currency movements on earnings, gains or losses associated with the hedge contracts are recorded in revenue. Thus, our revenue is impacted by two elements, market movements in currency rates and gains or losses on the hedging contracts. The majority of currency contracts are entered into somewhat in advance of the quarter, and the timing can depend upon the nature of the business being hedged. Therefore, the currency impact in a given quarter is dependent upon a number of factors, including the nature and number of hedging contracts, natural hedges within specific businesses, 
the volatility in the spot market, etc. And the net impact of currency movement on our revenue typically lags actual market movement given the timing of our hedging contracts. As we indicated to you last quarter, given the accounting rate used in Q305 and the rate and timing of hedging contracts that we entered into heading into Q306, we did not expect a significant year-over-year currency impact in Q3. During Q306, actual market currency movements positively impacted revenue growth by just under 100 basis points. However, the impact of hedging transactions negatively impacted revenue year-over-year by just over 100 basis points, resulting in a net negative impact of approximately 20 basis points, enough to cause constant currency growth to round up to 6%. Now on to gross profit, which was $5.4 billion for the quarter, or 24.8% of revenue, up from 23.2% a year ago, and flat sequentially. Gross margin improved year-over-year in each of our non-financing business segments, reflecting improved operational effectiveness in key areas, including option attach, delivery efficiency, utilization, and discounting, as well as favorable mix in certain businesses. Non-GAAP operating expense totaled $3.75 billion for the quarter, or 17.2% of revenue, down from 17.5% a year ago, and up from 16.8% sequentially. In dollars, operating expenses were up 3% year-over-year and down 1% sequentially. Adjusting for currency, expenses were up 3% year-over-year and down 2% sequentially. The year-over-year increase reflects volume growth, FAS 123R expense, investments in Salesforce hiring, demand generation, and other go-to-market initiatives, as well as significant employee bonus accruals commensurate with the improved financial performance of the company. Non-GAAP operating profit was $1.7 billion, or 7.6% of revenue, up $475 million year-over-year, despite the inclusion of approximately $130 million of stock-based compensation in the current period. Next, the balance sheet. HP-owned inventory came in at $7.5 million, up $820 million year-over-year, and $696 million sequentially. Inventory days of supply stands at 41 days, up from 38 days last year and 36 days sequentially. The increase of inventory reflects strategic buys of components as well as volume growth. With regard to channel inventory, ESS and PSG ended the quarter at roughly five weeks and IPG at roughly five and a half weeks. Trade receivables ended the quarter at $9.6 billion, up $867 million year-over-year, and down $152 million sequentially. DSO now stands at 40 days, up from 38 days year-over-year and 39 days sequentially. The dollar increase in receivables was due to revenue growth, as well as exchange rate fluctuations, which was also a significant driver of the increase in DSO year-over-year. Next property plant and equipment was down $61 million year-over-year and essentially flat sequentially at $6.4 billion. Gross CapEx was $623 million, up 88% year-over-year and 20% sequentially. On a net basis, CapEx was $389 million, up 87% year-over-year and down 3% sequentially. The year-over-year increase in CapEx reflects incremental investments in IT as well as increases in financing assets. Net dp as a percent of revenue now stands at 7.1%, down from 7.5% last year and 7.2% sequentially. 
Coming into FY06, we expected full-year gross capital expenditures of $2.8 billion and net capex of $2.2 billion, which assumes capital expenditures would be heavily weighted to the second half of the year. While we continue to expect a significant amount of capex in Q406, full-year capital expenditures are likely to be somewhat less than our initial expectations. Regarding accounts payable, days payable closed the quarter at 58 days, up from 51 days a year ago and 53 days sequentially. Next, some comments on cash. Cash flow from operations and free cash flow were both strong at $2.6 billion and $2.2 billion, respectively, for the quarter. Year-to-date cash flow from operations was excellent at $8.1 billion, up 32% year-over-year, and free cash flow was $7.0 billion, up 36% year-over-year. Year-to-date, we've already generated more operating and free cash flow than we did in all of fiscal 2005, which was a record cash flow year. During the quarter, we repurchased $2.3 billion in stock in the open market, or approximately 72 million shares. In addition, we received approximately 13 million shares under the prepaid variable share purchase program that we entered into earlier this year. So a total of 85 million shares were acquired during the quarter. Given the level of share repurchases, our board of directors has authorized an additional $6 billion for share repurchases. And total remaining repurchase authorization is currently just above that amount. And finally, we utilized $222 million in cash for our normal quarterly dividend. We closed the quarter with total gross cash of $16 billion, up from $14.6 billion year-over-year and $14.1 billion sequentially. Net cash was $9.2 billion, up from $8.8 billion year-over-year and $9.0 billion sequentially. In terms of cash usage, do bear in mind that we expect the Mercury acquisition to close in the fourth calendar quarter, and this will result in a substantial cash outlay in either Q406 or Q107, depending upon the timing of the close. Now a few comments on our outlook. As you know, we normally see strong sequential revenue growth going into Q4, And given where rates are today, we would expect a modest sequential currency benefit. At the same time, the current macroeconomic environment and competitive environments contain some uncertainties. Taking all these factors into account, we estimate Q406 revenue will be approximately $24.1 billion, in line with current consensus analyst expectations. Regarding earnings, there are a few variables to consider. We will continue to fund investments to drive long-term growth initiatives. We estimate non-GAAP OI&E to be about $0.03 to $0.04 cents per share in Q4, which primarily reflects baseline net interest income given projected cash and debt levels. We will call out deviations from this baseline as appropriate. We ex- expect a non-GAAP tax rate of approximately 20% in Q4. Given the level of share repurchases we executed in Q3, we expect weighted average shares outstanding to decline modestly in Q4. Potential increases or decreases to share count are dependent upon our continuing share repurchase activity, HP stock price, option exercise patterns, and common stock equivalents. With that in mind, we now expect Q406 non-GAAP EPS of 61 to 63 cents, which includes approximately three cents of stock-based compensation. And with that, we'll move on to questions. And gentlemen, your first question comes from the line of Bill Shope with J.P. Morgan. Please proceed. 
Great, thank you. Uh, there's been a lot of debate in the industry over the role that AMD uh, has played and some of the changes we've seen in the competitive landscape. Can you give us, you know, perhaps a qualitative read at least on how significant you think AMD's been to your relative cost structure improvements and, you know, as is being discussed quite a bit, if Dell begins to use AMD more aggressively in their PC line, uh, do you think there's a risk that some of these improvements could be uh, reversed or narrowed? Well, I think we think competition's good, Bill. And um, I think competition drives a, a better market and a better uh, overall ecosystem uh, for the industry. So I think that it might sound strange to you, but we actually think that more adoption is actually a good thing uh, on a macro basis. So we'd actually be encouraging uh, that kind of thing to occur as opposed to, 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 to not looking for that kind of a thing to occur. The more industry adoption, the more competition, we think the better the market. Thanks, Bill. We'll take the next question, please. And gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Laura Canigliaro of Goldman Sachs. Please proceed. Yes. Uh, on the inventory side, you indicated that you made some strategic pur purchases. Um, first of all, is that consistent with your outlook for demand or consistent with what you think the supply outlook is? And then can you talk a little bit about the component situation as you see it now and kind of going forward? Well, Laura, on the uh, strategic uh, buy side, uh, it's uh, mostly in the uh, PC business, uh, and it is a reflection certainly of, of um, what we typically see as strong demand in, uh, in Q4. But beyond that, uh, when we say strategic, we mean that it's, it's either it, it's different than our normal purchases, it's, which is done either because we have a particularly good uh, cost opportunity, that is, we're given a really, um, a really good deal, or because we have some concern for supply. Um, in this case, this past quarter, it was mainly because we got, um, we had some offers to, to, to get some, some good, good purchases. Uh, overall, the commodity situation has been pretty normal, normal price declines, normal availability. The only exception to that probably is uh, panels. Panel prices uh, have been coming down fast. They've now, we think, uh, stabilized, and um, we'll see what happens going forward here. But uh, going into the heavy consumer fourth quarter of the year, there is some concern that uh, pricing could get a little tighter on some panels. Thanks, Laura. Next question, please, operator. And, sir, your next question comes from the line of Katie Hubbardy with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed. Hi, thanks, guys. You're clearly executing well on the revenue front, but, Bob, you did mention some uncertainties in the broader market. Can you just talk about what you're seeing uh, in terms of broad demand trends and then what linearity looked like in the quarter? Uh, this is Mark, Katie. Um, linearity was fine in the quarter for us, so I, there's no story for us inside the quarter of this versus that, I'd say, uh, uh, that was fine. Macro demand, I mean, we listen to the same stuff you listen to. So, um, you know, we hear stories uh, of all types. I'd say when you when you boil it all together, what our data tells us is things are relatively steady, and I'll put that term in quotes, with stories within the story. I mean, we continue to keep our eye on U.S. consumer, uh, which is an important market for us, and, you know, we hear the same stories you hear about where U.S. consumer is headed. But given the data we're seeing, I would net it all together globally to say, Steady. Thanks, Katie. Next question, please, operator. Yes, sir. Your next question comes from the line of Tony Sakanahi of Sanford Bernstein. Please proceed. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, you had mentioned revenue growth and trying to strike a balance between profitability and revenue growth, Mark. 
Um, this was the, the fifth quarter that you've presided over HP. It was the lowest revenue growth at constant currency um, since you've been at the helm, albeit modestly lower than the other quarters. Uh, your guidance, given the currency outlook, is for it to decline, year-over-year revenue growth to decline even further. If we think about how you've been doing relative to your guidance, you've been blowing out EPS. Uh, you beat EPS by five cents or more every quarter since you've been CEO. But you really haven't been beating the revenue number. And so the question is, have you been pleased with the revenue performance? And why not reinvest some of that earnings upside that you've been delivering to deliver some revenue upside? Um, and how do you think about that trade-off? Have you have you been extremely pleased with EPS and comfortable with revenue growth, or have you been modestly disappointed, given the divergence in your actual performance versus guidance on those two metrics? Yeah, I mean, Tony, thanks for the uh, for the uh, question. There was a lot of stuff in there, um, and probably take me a while to answer that thing as, as as thoroughly as I could. I mean, basically, we said we'd be at roughly six percent constant currency growth um, as the year started to some degree. You've seen us actually. Perform better than, than than we modeled in the first two quarters. I think that would be the the way I would describe it. Um, so I think from that perspective, I'm clearly pleased. But I, I, listen, Tony, I look at the company's performance on two two axes. One is incremental improvement in performance, and the other is absolute performance. And so I think from an incremental perspective, we're doing a lot. We're pulling a lot of levers at the same time, which is what you see going on, which makes the the the, the landing of the of the of the guidance to your point. Um, um, you know, the exercise we're going through right now, which is to line up our cost levers and our revenue levers. Uh, we have invested, so I don't want you to misunderstand. You know, what you see in the quarter when you look at our OPEX is a, a series of investments. We invested in, in printer market share, and we got it. We invested in going to market with, with different other market development activities in the PC business, and we got it. So when you look at ISS growth, I think if you look at the market and you look at share positions by market, you're actually going to find we had a pretty strong quarter. So it's really a combination of all those levers. And if you ask me in the end from where we started to where we are, am I pleased? The answer would be yeah. Uh, let me say the. Let me give you another answer. If if you ask me, do I think do I think we can do better than we've done? The answer would be yes. And and we certainly have opportunities. It's the reason we're making investments. We are in 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 the sales organization that we are. Uh, other investments in market development and why we still have a lot of cost work to go do across the company. So uh, we're a long way from done. And by no means am I coming to you today telling you we're rolling a perfect game on every line. We've got a lot of work left to do. All right. Thanks, Tony. Next question, please. Gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Richard Farmer of Merrill Lynch. Please proceed. Thank you. I'd like to ask a question on uh, the restructuring progress and the margin targets, please. Um, I think last quarter you said uh, you were about 53% through the restructuring. Um, if I heard you right, Bob, you said 10,000 cumulative headcount. Uh, so if my math is right, that's about 65% now. Uh, is that the right way to uh, think about it so that maybe 35 or so is left to uh, – Flow through, and then um, Mark. Uh, you know, given that you're already uh, at your long-term, a little above your long-term, uh, alone your long-term margin guidance, despite a seasonally weak quarter, despite the real estate savings coming, the data center savings coming, uh, you know, why shouldn't we uh, have long-term margin targets going up significantly from here? So let me start with the uh, restructuring. Yes, you've interpreted uh, the numbers right. About uh, about two-thirds of the headcount. Uh, is now, um, you know, the positions are gone from the company. I uh, do want to remind you that another part of our savings was the pension, which all kicked in in early 06. So it's, it's you know, you got you to play both variables um, separately when doing your calculations. Uh, 
Uh, to your question, um, I'll have to go study those numbers closer, Richard. No, I, I, I have your your view. I mean, we'll we'll certainly as we close Q4, and as we get towards a security analyst meeting that we uh, have planned for December, uh, certainly uh, come to you with uh, our best view of forward-looking uh, margins. Uh, so I think that'll be the time frame as opposed to today. Thanks, Richard. Next question, please. Gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Andrew Neff with Bear Stearns. Please proceed. Sure. If I could just uh, follow up on the question talking about the different initiatives you have. Do you give us an update on where you are in the IT savings initiative, how you know, sort of uh, lay out how that will play out? And also, you've talked, Mark, a lot about the hiring efforts you were going to um, uh, deploy. Can you talk about where you are in terms of uh, the hiring efforts and uh, bringing people on board? Sure. Um, we, I won't give out numbers, Andy, but I would say we've made we've made a material dent in in getting our hiring started. I'm actually pleased uh, with it because uh, I think we took on a, a fairly sizable task, and and uh, we did make a a a, a good dent in it uh, in in Q3, uh, starting in Q2, and and what we followed on with in Q3. In terms of IT, we still have a lot of work to do. So, um, you know, we believe in our strategy. We have begun uh, the work. Uh, we are, um, um, you know, a year into it, but at the same time, we still have plenty of work left to do. The work in IT will stretch out uh, through 08, so you've got uh, clearly 07 and 08 uh, to go, and, and I wouldn't call it linear, but uh, we do have a lot of work left to do to get IT to where we want to get it. Thanks, Andy. Next question, please. And, gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Harry Blount with Lehman Brothers. Please proceed. Hi, Mark. Uh, quick question back to the uh, revenue growth side of the equation. Uh, the, the, the segment that really stands out to me is maybe being a little bit behind where I, maybe I would have expected it to be would be on the services side. You've kind of met your midpoint or so of your margin goal. I know you have a couple big contracts kicking in the back half of the year, but what, what do you specifically have going on there? What should we be looking for over the next two to three, four quarters? Well, I mean, I think you're right, Harry, in what you say. I mean, I think that um, we, you know, I, I take complete accountability for this. Um, you know, we really wanted to get our cost structure right. It was a major uh, driver for us, uh, even if it meant that uh, not only two things. One, that we didn't go after deals that we might have gone after uh, before. Secondly, we've actually exited, uh, you know, a couple that, 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 that uh, with tremendous support from the customers uh, that, that, that weren't uh, ones that we thought we could go on with. So, you know, those two things have caused what you've seen. Now, we have a strong pipeline, so that's good news. We're beginning to build back our pipeline. Uh, but we still won't sacrifice um, um, profitability for just taking bad deals to get revenue growth. But I feel better about the pipeline. I think we're building that back up, and I think our uh, focus on the cost structure will give us renewed uh, ability to uh, to go win transactions but win them the right way. So I do expect us to see 07 to have uh, better growth than what you've seen in 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 in, in 06. So uh, that's probably where I'll leave it uh, today as it relates to the services business. Thanks, Harry. Next question, please, operator. And gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Keith Bachman with Bank of America Securities. Please proceed. Hi, guys. I wanted to talk about sir, uh, the software, rather, if I could, for a second. Um, Mark, you had uh, pretty good growth there. If you could talk a little bit about what the organic side was, uh, the margin was a little less than, than I was thinking. If you could talk about the, the margin expectations you have before you consolidate uh, Merck, that would be great. Sure. Um, 
So I think, again, um, Keith, let me go back really and start on the growth side. Growth was pretty pretty um, similar across open view and open call. Um, so the organic growth was actually um, – uh, was actually favorable across both of the different groups. So we got some benefit, of course, out of the Peregrine um, uh, growth, but we had double-digit growth in both open view and open call or organically, so that was a good story, I think, on the top line uh, across the board in, in software. On the um, uh, bottom line, which I think is an is, is a excellent question, I think you've got multiple factors. You've got the uh, additional cost structure we're working through with the Peregrine acquisition. That's certainly part of it. Uh, secondly, they do get an impact from the bonus that, that hits uh, across the company. Uh, so that certainly was a, because of the size of their business, had some materiality in the bottom line because that business is very sensitive with a few million dollars to the, uh, to the, uh, to the bottom line. And then there's a slight bit of mix between you know the open call factoring versus the open view factoring. So those are really the three drivers when you net it out. I would say if you balance those out, the business is roughly what we would have hoped for from an operating margin perspective. It could have been a little bit better. And in long run, where am I expecting? I still believe a business of uh, this scale has the opportunity to be in the, uh, you know, w- whether it's 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, it's in that ballpark of, of operating performance. And again, as we've stated, I think when you look at the combination of Mercury and uh, and our software business, we have an opportunity by the time we get to 08, blend these businesses together, to have a 20% operating margin business. Thanks, Keith. Next question, please, operator. Gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Ben Reitzies with UBS. Please Thank- proceed. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, Mark, I'm not sure you have to apologize for anything on the revenue line, considering you're outgrowing IBM by 500 basis points and Dell by probably two this quarter. But can you keep it up while you're intentionally, by the, might I add, uh, not growing services intentionally? But can you keep it up? Can you keep gaining share? And um, do you, what are you going to do to make sure you do that um, into next year? And, and maybe if you want to highlight a few key segments. Well, Ben, I think I think um, thanks for the comment. Um, you know, I think when you look at some of our nearest competitors in dollars, we we did a pretty nice job from a growth perspective when you when you compare those numbers. But uh, you know, I think it's it's up to us to uh, optimize our cost structure to make sure we can invest in the right segments. I do believe um, we can keep up the kind of growth that we're that we're forecasting. It's why we're making the investments we're making. It's why I think the improvement in our cost structure allows us to get more aggressive in the market as uh, as we see things that make sense. So to some degree, we're affected by the macro market, and we have to deal with those macro market uh, uh, movements. But within the context of a reasonable market, I like our opportunities to compete uh, effectively to uh, be in a good share position. So, uh, Ben, I think I'd net it out to say, listen, I'm optimistic that we can uh, show good revenue growth within the context of the segments we compete. Um, so, uh, again, that the only caveat I give to that is, is, is the macro environment. Thanks, Ben. Next question, please. Gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Richard Gardner with Citigroup. Please proceed. Uh, thanks very much. Um, I uh, I have two quick questions. One is, uh, Bob, are you still targeting completion of your 15,300 uh, headcount reductions by the end of the, the October quarter? And then secondly, uh, Mark, you mentioned that the demand environment overall was relatively steady. Um, I think you called out U.S. consumers, an area that you're keeping a close eye on. But could you specifically address what you're seeing in Europe, given some of the reports that we've heard from other companies regarding weakness in June, um, and and whether you feel like that's just typical seasonal or whether there's something else going on there, and and perhaps a quick comment on federal as well. 
Richard, uh, Bob here. First, uh, yeah, we expect to be virtually complete by the end of the Q4. Uh, there could be a few very uh, small exceptions to that, but virtually complete. Uh, Richard, with it relates to uh, to Europe, uh, generally speaking, we had pretty balanced growth across across the businesses. So, uh, if you look at it the way you asked the question, um, I would say that Europe was was okay for us uh, in 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 the quarter across most of our segments. That said, uh, just to try to give you a little more color, there are multiple stories within Europe. So it's it's really not, I think, fair to go into a Europe generalized discussion. We see strong growth in, in most of the Eastern European countries, and that's a generalization, but it, 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 it's, a, it's a reasonable one to make. We, we see uh, less so in Western Europe, and there's even stories within Western Europe, if I took you from the U.K. to France to Germany to Italy. So it, it, it's really, we don't really, Richard, spend a lot of time looking at Europe um, in, in the aggregated context as we do spending time looking at the individual segments, and there are stories within the story. When you net all of Europe together as a, as a, as a uh, uh, an entity, it was okay in 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 in, in Q3 um, uh, for us, but again, we, we've got to keep our eye on, on, on more sub segments for us to really uh, make sure that we make sense out of it. Okay, we'll take the next question, please. Gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Louis Miskostia from Cohen and Company. Please proceed. Okay, thank you. A uh, question I wanted to ask was on the services area. And in the past, I think you've mentioned that you were looking for acquisitions in software and services to, uh, I, I guess, fill in your product lines there. On the services side, do you think that you'd be more focused on something that would add to managed service, services being something IT infrastructure outsourcing or to be something more in the consulting and systems integration area or it be something different in a, like a BPO kind of application or something maybe to uh, enhance uh, offshoring and something like India software outsourcing? Well, Liz, I look forward to working with you. Um, so, first, second, I don't comment a lot on those kind of things um, in terms of forward-looking acquisitions. I think, um, you know, fair to say that you know we're going to look through, um, look at uh, potential acquisitions that fit the following criteria. Do they strategically make sense for us? You know, service is certainly an important strategy for us, but they've also got to financially make sense. And they've got to operationally make sense for us, and and that means for us that we can we can run them, that we don't have to jeopardize the trajectory of the company at the same time that we do it, et cetera, et cetera. So we really look at those three filters, and and we'll continue to look at them across those three filters as we go. But but I wouldn't try to pigeonhole us into into one certain area in this phone call. Next question, please, operator. Gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Shannon Cross with Cross Research. Please oh yes, proceed. good af- good afternoon. Um, just can you give us some more details on IPG? I mean, your results are basically the opposite of what we've heard from, you know, one of your close competitors. Um, and, you know, then also from Canon, we heard they're expecting 23% year-over-year growth in second half in laser. So sounds like things are on track, but can you just give us some more color? Well, I think you mentioned some, you know, I think clearly um, – our, our our team has done well. I mean, this is uh, and I, I think it's a combination of things, Shannon. I, I don't think it's one thing. I think first starts with just pure technology and the product offering itself. Uh, I think you know when you look at the releases we've had, uh, uh, the technologies just kept coming, and uh, it's 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 really been impressive. So that's kind of point one. Uh, point two, I think we've done a lot of work to try to optimize our go-to-market. 
And there's been a lot of work done, you know, with in-store promotion. There's been a lot of work done with promotion overall, with merchandising. And uh, I think that's been a, a real strong move as well. Thirdly, you know, we continue to try to improve our ability and our, on our go-to-market model as it relates to even our human capital. So if we're putting more people in the enterprise, et cetera. So I think it's a, a confluence of technology. I think it's a confluence of our ability to improve our go-to-market. And I think when you look at some of the service statistics that are coming out about, about our printer business, um, you know, it's it's a combination of, of of good improvement on the service side. So it's 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 no one thing, Shannon. But I think I think the team overall has done a nice job. Thanks, Shannon. Next question, please. Your next question comes from the line of Brian Alexander with Raymond James. Please proceed. Thank you. Uh, just to follow up on a question on PSG, uh, obviously at the high end of your margin target in a seasonally weak quarter. Uh, just wondering uh, what you saw in terms of pricing from Dell. Obviously, they've talked about getting more aggressive. Have you noticed any change in their tone? And if you look at the operating margin expansion versus a year ago, obviously there's a lot of levers, I think, that caused that. But could you help us rank uh, sort of the mix shift to consumer, mix shift to notebook, attach, and you talked about warranty. What were what were some of the primary drivers of that margin expansion? Thanks. Sure. My, 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 my answer to your second one would mostly be yes. But but let me start with the, with, with, with the first one. Um, you know, I, I can't say that if I looked at the – let me go into a broader comment on competition in PSG. We did not see an extraordinary competitiveness in the market. Now, I say that against the backdrop of this has always been a competitive market. So I can't say I saw a less competitive market, but we didn't see an extraordinarily more competitive market in our uh, uh, Q3. So that would be the way I would describe your question. That's a broader answer across multiple geographies um, and obviously multiple competitors. Um, as it relates to the levers, you're, you're on all of them. I mean, you know, the, the the big levers here are first, you know, we are working on the cost structure of the whole company, and that, that certainly helps PSG. Uh, Bob mentioned to you strategic buys and the ability we look at our procurement processes and our ability to improve our leverage as it relates to cost of goods sold, and certainly that's a that's a lever. You've already mentioned the warranty lever that, that that's certainly an important lever as it relates to the integration of our service go-to-market uh, with our cost of goods sold and our products offered, which is a, a, a big lever for us. And certainly the other one for us is just attach and growth and growth of attach. And so when you look at those levers and our ability to leverage that, that's certainly that last piece with our with our partners, um, that those are really the levers that we pull. And, and I think you've seen them manifest themselves uh, in Q3. Let me just add that uh, we have certainly – Seeing profit improvement on the consumer side of the business, but also on the commercial side of the business. It's not uh, it's not just the growth of the consumer and notebook that has uh, that has uh, benefited this business. And of course, PSG, like uh, all of our businesses, have benefited from the uh, cost reduction, expense reduction efforts, um, you know, around the company. So uh, you know, everybody shares somewhat in those uh, reductions as well. Next question, please, operator. Yes, sir. Your next question comes from the line of David Wong with A.G. Edwards. Please proceed. Thanks very much. Um, one detail and then uh, a question. Um, the detail, uh, when you talked about uh, components and strategic opportunities and components, can you give us some idea of what type of components these were and what time frame the, those buys occurred? And secondly, um, when you were talking about um, uh, you, you helping uh, – trading off some profitability to get growth in specific areas in the current quarter. Can you tell us which areas you're going to target for growth going forward where you would like to see slightly higher growth than you're getting at the moment? So let me begin with the uh, the, the first uh, detailed question. Uh, a variety of 
categories of components, but uh, the top of the list is panels. Uh, once again, that's an area that uh, you know we we depend upon very heavily in our notebook business, and uh, we've had some um, some good opportunities. Uh, not not only this quarter, but uh, over the past several quarters to to buy panels at the right point in time. But it includes processors, uh, chipsets, um, you know, just about everything. Occasionally, that we go out and buy more than what the schedule says we should be buying. Uh, it occurred throughout the quarter. Thanks, David. Uh, yeah, one more thing. I, yeah, Dan, I'll just try to give you a quick color on that. I mean, listen, you, we're going to go after, we're not going to go try and, and gain share just so we can gain share. Um, uh, we're going to go out and try and uh, do things that make sense in, in uh, businesses that can bring us a, uh, a long-term benefit. So uh, places where we can get long-term margin expansion will be where you'll see us invest. Next question, please, operator. Your next question comes from the line of Bill Fairnley of FTN Midwest Securities. Please yes. proceed. Yes, thanks. Good afternoon. On IBG, uh, is the should we be thinking about the operating margin range now in 14 to 16 versus the previous 13 to 15 percent guidance with unit growth in the teens? And then, uh, what about the threat of third-party remanufactured ink and toner uh, to the supplies business? Any change in your view on the supplies threat there? Thanks. Hi, Bill. So Hi. this is Mark. Um, I'd I say you should not um, um, do anything other than what we've told you in the past, that uh, this is a 13 to 15% kind of business, 4 to 6% revenue growth uh, kind of model. I think you've seen uh, the interrelationship between unit growth and, uh, and uh, supplies growth, and um, you can see by the supplies growth how we feel about the supplies market and how it's performing. So I, I think what you've seen is the business perform basically in the ranges we've described. It's 14.2 this time. It was 13% this time last year. You look at the unit growth rates, you can see that we had going into this quarter blended 8% rev, uh, unit growth uh, over the last uh, rolling, I guess, four four quarters. Uh, we've now posted a 15. Um, so, I mean, I think you're going to see us continue to operate in those ranges. Now, uh, the only caveat I give to that is when we see opportunities, as we've talked about our strategy, we'll take advantage of those opportunities high-usage segments to be um, uh, appropriately uh, focused on how we go to market. So, uh, again, I would give you no change to what you said before. Thank you, Bill. We'll take uh, two more questions, operator. Yes, sir. Your next question comes from the line of Cindy Shaw with Morrison Cabat. Please proceed. Thanks. I wanted to ask uh, uh, about the enterprise hardware business. Blade Servers, uh, one of your competitors doing quite well. Another competitor that, that used to tout its Blade Server growth now saying Blade Servers don't matter. And also, uh, Bob, you talked last December about stock options. I think you said that there were two waves where a lot of options went in the money, one low 20s, one low 30s. It looks like we may have both those waves behind us. If you can comment on uh, the outlook on how that could impact share count going forward. Uh, Cindy, this is Mark. Uh, first, I'd start with we think blade servers are important. We think when you look at the virtualization of, of servers, uh, which we think is, is, is where it's headed, blades are critical to that. Uh, we feel great about our uh, blades announcement that we did in the early part of the summer. Um, we, you know, uh, had a, a, another uh, good quarter in terms of growth in blades, and we're very focused on it going forward. Our C-class blades will really just be out in uh, fiscal fourth quarter. So uh, we, think it's, we think it's an important segment. We feel well positioned within it. So, Cindy, yes, uh, if you look at the uh, outstanding options, uh, there's still a, a bubble around the low 20s and another bubble uh, right around, you know, 29 to, to 32 in terms of number of options uh, that are outstanding, as well as those that are vested. Uh, so, you know, we've been 
at or above those ranges now for a while. Uh, what what is really hard to predict, of course, is how employees will behave. That's a function not only of what the stock price is, but what they think it's going to be. And so uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, obviously, along with that, as we go quarter by quarter, there will be more vesting of some of those uh, those uh, waves of options as well. And that uh, typically occurs in the springtime when another uh, prime vesting period occurs. So we'll just have to see. We'll take one final question, please. And gentlemen, your final question comes from the line of Dan Renard with Robert Baird. Please proceed. Great, thanks. Uh, my question is uh, on the enterprise business. Um, you mentioned some areas very strong, specifically blades and then uh, the XP and EVA and storage. What, what areas were weak or, or concerns you have? Uh, and then is it getting more competitive or said another way, are there deals you're walking away from in this area as well? Thanks. And, and Dan, let me just make sure you're clear. You're talking about specific to the enterprise. Uh, what what markets are getting more competitive? And, and I think I think that's what you asked. Yeah, and when what areas were weak? You mentioned some areas that were very strong. I mean, what areas were weak for you, or areas that you think you can improve upon? Sure. Well, I mean, you, you saw by our numbers, right? I mean, you saw what happened in DCS, and I, uh, which was uh, a decline in revenue year over year. And I think our, our business really reflects what we see going on in, in market trends. Um, you know, back to Cindy's question, you know, you see a, a definite change in, in what we think of mainframe architectures and Unix architectures and lots of people going to virtualized servers which thus means lots of blades, and you need lots of software management around those blades technologies and the virtualization of storage at the uh, at the same time. So that's where you see the growth. I mean, you, you look at the growth numbers, and they say that things are going to more industry standard platforms. You see growth in our ISS business. You saw growth in our blades business, growth in our EVA line, our XP line, and you see growth in our software business, which is really the binding fabric that brings many of those things together in the enterprise. Things that aren't growing in the enterprise, things like tape, proprietary Unix, older, what I would describe as more of the older architectures, and we have a piece of that, as you can see in our portfolio. So we, as we've said, as I said before, I think, uh, Dan, in the enterprise, we feel pretty good about where we think the enterprise is headed, and, and I think it reflects itself in, in what you see in the numbers uh, as they show up quarter after quarter. So let me uh, uh, say thanks for your questions. Uh, before wrapping up, uh, I'd like to summarize the call by saying that I am pleased with our execution in the third, qu third quarter. Uh, we posted strong revenue growth. We expanded margins while gaining share in key segments, and we generated strong cash flow from operations. We drove investments and saw success in strategic initiatives from hardware units and commercial print offerings and imaging and printing to consumer and mobility and personal systems to blades and external arrays in the enterprise. We continue to make progress in our cost structure. We made further progress on strategic initiatives that will strengthen HP's long-term competitive positioning and increase non-GAAP EPS guidance for the fourth consecutive quarter. All in all, it was a solid quarter for HP. I'll leave my comments at that, and uh, I'll thank you again for joining us on today's call.